Hi, we are us. Anyway, good, good. Back together here. Talk about running from God. Running from God, running to God, running at all. Have you been running from the Lord, or can you describe your life as running intentionally, consistently toward the Lord? Let's look at the first idea, running from God. You know, Jonah, the prophet, ran from God. He ran from God's purposes. He ran from what God has specifically asked him to do. And he had his reasons, just like sometimes we have our reasons. Uh, Jonah's reasons included unforgiveness toward the people of a city called Nineveh. Uh, historically, the people of Nineveh had invaded Israel many times, killed the women, uh, killed the children. So they're enemies. So when God told Jonah, go to these enemies of your people and go and preach judgment and repentance, uh, he had no clue. <coughs> Have you ever run from the Lord? Why do men and women of God sometimes run from the Lord or his will? Sometime rebellion. A Saul of Tarsus, later called the Apostle Paul, ran from God for a season. Uh, on the day he was converted from heaven, he heard these words, Saul, it's hard to kick against the pricks, isn't it? It means it's hard to run against God and come out on top, Acts 26, 14. Saul was a stubborn man. We might call him hard-headed. God had been after Saul for some time, and he continued to run the wrong way. Does that sound like some of you? Running from God, Saul got caught on the road to Damascus. So will you. You know, running from a call, I've spoken to some young men in Myanmar, in Vietnam, and their fathers were pastors, and I did not know that. And when I prophesied and I told them that you have a call in your life to do some kind of ministry stuff, uh, they ran the other way. They went like this and said, I'm out of here. Probably some of the reason is because their dad was poor and the church had a gift to keep them poor. House churches, things like that. Or their dad got hurt or their mom got hurt in the ministry and that, that happens. So uh, they went another way. One guy came up to me in a church that Paul's been in, and he said, this is the third person that has spoke to me about this. Why does God keep telling me to go into the ministry? I don't want to, I want to open a coffee shop. I said, well, who's God, you or him? Actually, his coffee shop is not profitable. Running from an area of God's revealed will. Some of us have the wrong idea that God is here to satisfy my desires rather than I am here to satisfy his desires because of a love relationship, not a demand thing. I serve God and I live in Vietnam and work in Nepal and Myanmar uh, just because that's the will of God. Uh, I like America just like you do. When I drive this Honda 2004 down the highways and stop at Pete's Coffee or Starbucks, I figure I'm in heaven, I've come, I've come back. When I go back to Vietnam, I jump on a motorcycle and I risk my life on the bike. Then what am I doing here? And the answer is having a good time because that's God's will for my life even as it's God's will for you to be here. But again, again, God is not here to satisfy the desires of his people, but we're here created for the Lord, regardless of your career and so on. Some saints run from the will of God or from God because they get discouraged. In 1 Samuel 27, verse two and so on, David came to the end of his rope and said, I'm tired of being chased by King Saul. I'm tired of hiding in the caves and so on. So he just became discouraged and he really flipped. He went to the Philistines land, he joined the king of Gath uh, and attached himself like a bodyguard to this guy for 16 months. David, the great psalmist, was out of the will of God by a mile, by a mile or two. And God still loved him big time. God still had a call on his life. God went after this guy. David, who had said twice, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Uh, when he got out of God's will, he said, I'll join with you. I'll show you what I can do against Saul. 
Again, when we're discouraged, sometimes we don't see things clearly, and we all face discouragement sometime. If you're living good for God, discouragement will knock sometime. Like David, how long can you keep running from the Lord? God will win in the end. Isn't that the message of Jonah in the belly of a fish? 24 hours in the belly of the fish. Joseph responded to God's question. Are you ready to go now to Nineveh? Never, never. Well, let's put 24 hours more on the clock. 24 hours later of roller coaster, great America stuff with seaweed. Uh, he looks different. He's changed color. He's got to be needs motion sickness for sure. 24 more hours, he says, are you ready to repent and go and warn the people? Never. This guy has a strong will. After 72 hours, he said, I'm ready. Again, God says, I live in eternity. Jonah, how long you want to do this? We can do this forever, or at least three more years. Sometime we're like Jonah. Understand, God could have called two other prophets that were in prophetic ministry at the same time Jonah was, greater prophets than him. It would be so easy for him to say, hey, Paul, go and do his job because he won't do it. But God loves Jonah and you and me so much that he said, no, I made you for this team. Your name is on this assignment. I have called you to be a son of God. I've called you to be a woman of God. I've called you to serve me in this way and that way. And don't hide behind whatever. So God was patient with this young prophet Jonah, who wasn't young actually. Jeremiah, in chapter one, when he was called prophetically to speak uh, warnings and judgments about Israel, he said, who am I? I'm a youth, I can't speak. And God said, don't say you're youth. Don't, don't, don't come up with whatever. If, God doesn't make mistakes. He called Jeremiah at a young age. And I can understand his immaturity, not knowing what he was doing, to say, I can't speak. Moses, Moses said the same thing when he was 80 years old. I, 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 I can't go back to Egypt and say what you said. Uh, listen to me, I'm stuttering, I have a speech problem. How can I go back as a prophet of God? You know? And God said, oh, I, I'll get somebody else. I, I didn't realize you have a handicap. We all have handicaps sometimes. There's a, lot, there's a thousand reasons why I'm not the guy. There's my imperfections, there's my weakness in character. There could be a, a pattern of sin, it could be all that stuff. But that can be handled with repentance, hallelujah. And getting right with God, and getting right with God is knowing God good and serving God, hallelujah. If he caught Jonah, he'll catch you. Jonah got back in the will of God in, in 2 Kings 14, 25, he talks about his ministry. Some years ago, I went down with a friend of mine to San Jose where his chiropractor did some work on him. And this, I understood the chiropractor was a, a good, solid Christian guy. And he was from Iraq. So I was talking to him and said, what do your people think about Jonah? Do they remember that guy anymore? He said, are you kidding me? We have a national holiday called the Year of Jonah. The Year of Jonah. The whole nation is spared because of his obedience. So big time hero, what looked like failure was he became a hero, thought too much. How important can be something that you say to somebody and me, whether it's one person or a nation? Are you running from his will? Are you running from something he's called you to do? For different reasons, John Mark became discouraged. If I was being discipled by the Apostle Paul or Barnabas, I'd be doing backflips. But something got into his heart or thinking or whatever, we don't know what it was, and he uh, took off. Uh, but God had Barnabas go run after him. And eventually, he got right with the Lord, and one of the things he did in his spare time was to write the Gospel of Mark. Why would God chose, chose somebody to write the Gospel of Mark that was a chicken or, or just, I don't know, whatever. God likes doing stuff like that. He likes taking failures, and we all fail sometime. We all fail, even sometimes we fail God in some area of our life. 
And then the devil wants to come in and condemn you. He said, look at this, look at this. A pastor friend of mine used to say, when the devil condemns you, agree with him. He's probably right. And then say, but I'm under the blood. But, but heaven's my home. But Christ is my son, you know, my God. Another reason for running from God could be sin. Israel in the battle uh, after Jericho to a place called Ai, the Israeli soldiers got shot in the back. 36 guys, they died. They got shot running from the will of God, not running toward God. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we have the armor of God. We have a helmet. We have a, a shield. We have a, a breastplate. We have something to put on the feet. We have all this stuff here, but there's nothing for the back. God said in Isaiah, I'll be your rear guard. If you go forward with me, I'll cover your back. If you turn around and run from the battle, good luck. Still loves us. Going forward, running from the battle, running to the Lord. Peter got caught by the voice of a chicken. Betrayal. Jonah by a fish, Balaam by a talking donkey. What does God need to catch you if, me, if, if we need? Either God can be trusted or he cannot. Will you trust the Lord afresh today? God knows what he's doing, saints. He knows what he's doing in your life. He knows what he's doing with your life. It's not an accident. You are who you are. You live where you live. You do what you do. One day I was, uh, it looked like an ordinary blue sky day in Ho Chi Minh City. Uh, and so I was getting on a bus, two buses, uh, took some Vietnamese people to Voontown. Actually, it was near Voontown. And it was a new beach area that nobody was using yet to swim. And I can't read Vietnamese, but there were signs that said, dangerous, don't swim kind of stuff. So I was there with another speaker from Canada, and actually he was the speaker. And so there was this kind of secret type meeting, and then the police came suddenly, and so we had to kind of run. And so then we ran down the beach for a while and jumped the fence, and when we were safe, we came back to the party. And so there was a little umbrella set up, and we had a couple of sandwiches, and there were water baptisms over here. And that we were told, you know, you can't come near the water baptisms. You have to look like you're on your own. No problem. As I'm eating my sandwich, I noticed something going on, so I suddenly I found myself running to the water. Uh, I, I found they just, they just pulled a girl out of the water who had been underwater for probably 10 minutes. I knew that girl, I knew her parents. And so they're trying to do CPR and work her over, and uh, there's no life in her. Finally, they stopped and just stood in a circle, praying, I'm no doubt praying. And I, I grabbed that girl with the help of an unbeliever. We dragged her up a hill, and this guy had a taxi. And so uh, I just told him, run the red lights. Just run the red lights. I'll take her in the back seat. So I'm just praying on her, her life. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the spirit of death. I command you, wake up, honey, in Jesus' name. I command you, life of God to come. And just like I'm doing now, for about five, six minutes, suddenly her eyes popped open. <coughs> Water's coming out of her, her mouth. Got to ICU. Got the cops. Got the, hey, they're, got the doctors out of playing a poker game. And said, work on this girl. And so uh, she turned out all right. She was 13. Today she's one of the best youth in Joel network there. I, I, sometime I kid her, I say, you owe me your life, honey. I'm serious as, as cancer. You owe me your life, honey. Serve God. And she's doing just that. Yeah, just an ordinary looking day. One person. The difference you and I make with one person sometime. Looks so ordinary. Running to God, enough about running from. An intentional effort that you make to not just come to church or tithe, but running to the Lord. Again, intentional effort. How do you run to God? Number one, are you quick to obey the Lord? Are you quick to obey what you understand if someone's preaching? Or maybe better yet, are you quick to, to obey 
what you read in the Word, or what the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart personal. If you're not sure how quick you are to obey, why don't you ask somebody that knows you? If you're married, you can get dangerous there. I don't ask my wife too often, because she'll, she'll shoot right from the hip, kaboom. I'll say, if I say, how do you think that message was, or how do you think I'm handled that situation, Said She won't even say, do you really want to heal? She'll just go, I'll, I'll defend myself a little bit, a little pride will pop up there and go, wait, wait, no, no, that wasn't, she said, look, you asked me. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, right, hallelujah. How quick am I to run to the Lord? Loving God is obeying God. That's black and white as it gets. It's not about emotionalism, though God has given us emotion. Loving God is obeying Him. Number two, are you quick to repent? Are you quick to repent? And repent means change, not say I'm sorry. There's a difference. Are you quick to repent when God shows you something faulty in your life, faulty in your witness? Whether we say I'm so sorry, God, or whether we don't, probably isn't too important. What's important is do I repent, which means change my mind, change my direction. Yeah. Number three, running to God. Are you active? Are you quick to receive correction from whoever God sends to bring you correction? And how many of you know we need correction sometime? Not just Holy Spirit. So in 2 Samuel 16, this guy named Shimei, and Shimei was this worthless character. That's how he's described. And David was fleeing from his son Absalom that was going to kill him. And yet he was the king. And so here's this guy walking around on a hill adjacent to the road, throwing stones at King David, spitting out curses and throwing dust. And his commanding chief, David, said, let me go up there and take his head off. David said, let the guy speak. Maybe God's using his mouth. You know, <clears throat> if you love truth, if I love truth, especially the truth about myself sometime, I will not put parameters on God and say, I'll receive it if it's from a prophet, but I won't receive it if it's from my wife. <laughs> I won't receive it from some guy at work that's not even a Christian. But truth, if it's truth and fits, and I, I, I'm running after God, I'm going I'm to adjust and say, I'll take it from where it comes from. It's wonderful when people love you and express that they love you and then they bring correction. But, you know, if uh, that's not the way it happens and what they say is true, you know, why don't we be man enough or woman enough to say, go for it. Yeah, go for it. I'm not here to protect my castle. I, I want to grow in God. I don't want to just go to heaven. I want to grow in God down here. I want my character to continue to change if it's changing. I want to be used for God. I want to win a few people to the Lord. That's why I'm here. Regardless of my career, that's why I'm here. You know, uh, when Joshua was able to identify with God's help, who caused the, the army to lose the battle at Ai? And God said, it's a guy named Achan. And he's hid stuff. He took some stuff and it's up in his tent. It says Joshua sent these guys to, and they ran all the way to the tent. Now, why'd they run? Were we having a contest? Who gets here first? Nope. They ran because Israel was under judgment. 36 men had died. and Now more were about to die. So they ran with all their might. They found the silver, the gold, the mantle. They came back. They also dragged the tent, took his animals, took his wife, took his kids. And Joshua said, you have troubled Israel. Actually, the name Achan means troublemaker in Hebrew. Troublemaker. Sometimes you have a troublemaker in your life. Sometimes I have a troublemaker in my life, in my ministry. What am I going to do about it? So on that day, uh, Achan's sin brought punishment on his whole family. All the animals were killed. Family was killed. Tent burned. And Israel was freed from God's judgment. So when God shows me a sin or a fault in my life sometime, am I quick to punish that thing? Yeah. Say, no more. If I can't control the internet, I'm turning it off. 
If I can't control a computer, I'm dumping it. If I can't control my TV set, I'll get a gun. Kaboom, I'll blow the thing up. For real. Yeah, for real. I'm talking about if you're out of control in some area of your life. That stuff's easy. But to do stuff up here sometimes may be a little challenging. Recently, uh, okay, a prophet, or a woman that speaks from God, in Canada last year, the conference we just came from last week, she said in a nice way, in a private situation, she said, when you go back to Vietnam, you're gonna be tempted to take your foot off the gas pedal, start putting it on the brake a little bit, put it in neutral, just kind of relax and coast, you know? Nothing wrong with relaxing sometime. And she said, don't do it. So when I got back to Vietnam, I, I said to the Lord, um, what does that mean? What, what's going on in my life here that she's talking about? And the Lord said, just clear as a bell. He said, you spend too much time on the internet. I'm not talking pornography, that kind of nonsense. Too much time. He said, cut back to 30 minutes a day. So I went to, when I said, okay, start tomorrow, 30 minutes. I couldn't believe it. I, I looked at that computer, it was saying, turn me on, turn me on. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I'm addicted to this son of a gun. I am addicted. Yeah. I thought, 30 minutes is not fair. That's not much time. And then, uh, so I asked the Lord further, how is it that I'm easing up and not giving God my best? He said, your prayer life has dropped in fervency. You've dropped about 15% in your fervency. This is where you usually are. This is where you are right now. How can I get that fervency back? Tell God I'm sorry. Why don't you fast one day a week from now on and from now on? Choose your day. From sunup to sundown, that's a biblical fast. Spend that day fasting. That'll get you back your edge. What puts you on the map will put you on the map again. What, what caused you to walk in first love will cause you to walk in first love again. So uh, when that I couldn't wait till next Monday to fast. I couldn't wait. To, oh, hallelujah, I can't wait. No, I could wait, actually. Because my soul was used to having whatever it eats. So on that first day, because uh, I, I obviously ate dinner the night before, got up in the morning, stomach's going a little bit. And I was thinking at 6 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, what I'm going to have for dinner at 6. I get to break the fast at 6 o'clock. It's a biblical fast. Oh, I'd like having this. And, da, 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 da. and so, you know, that day was a waste of time. My soul was just, just ruling and reigning. And so finally, at 6 o'clock, <gasps> I made it. You know, I wasn't dying or nothing. But it was just my flesh was so used to having fasting is, you know, one, once in a while we fast in three days or something. And again, this was an opportunity from the Lord, not a demand. If you like where you're at and you want to stay where you're at, you'll stay there or get worse. I have no intention to stay where I'm at. Even if I'm in a good space, I want to move on. Even if I'm crawling like a turtle, I want to move forward. Because God owns me. He owns me. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. And I, I own him in a sense. He belongs to me in the right sense, just like he belongs to you. But the following Monday, when I went to fast, I wasn't thinking about dinner. On Monday number two, it was victory. It was boom, God showed up. God was there from hello. I thought, this is fun. I forgot what this is all about. And so on, so on. Again, uh, an opportunity to run after God is not some emotional, Jesus, I'm running after you kind of a deal. If you want to do that, it's okay. It doesn't hurt. But to put some practical things in place that will make you run toward God and his will for your life. As you know, uh, we'll be done in about, no, we'll not be done yet. Enjoy. I only come once a year. Hallelujah. Twice this year, man, you guys are being, I don't know what's happened to you. You haven't been praying. As you know, in 1 Samuel 17, we have three occasions where David ran. Yeah. First, David is a young man. Dad said, bring the cheese and bread to your brothers that are in the battle line fighting the Philistines. That was untrue. They weren't fighting nobody. They had a war cry, like, hallelujah! And that's, just all, that's all that happened. The devil's not afraid of your hallelujah! He's afraid of the way you walk with God. But anyway, it said he ran and brought the cheese and bread to his brothers. 
Then he, heard, then he saw this whole scene going on with Goliath. And so he had an interview with Saul. Said, I'll, I'll fight that guy. Because God gave him a word of faith. So it says that he, uh, after he got his stones, he ran to the battle line. He ran to where the giant was. This guy's a runner. He, this represents God's will for his life. Then when he killed, he knocked that giant down. He still wasn't dead. It says he then ran to his body, took the sword and cut off his own head. I like David. Running for the will of God. King Saul was running the other way. How about Philip? Philip running after a chariot. Yeah, Philip's out there in the desert somewhere. And God says, attach yourself to that chariot. And, and that chariot's going around, maybe not fast, maybe, but the guy's reading the book of Isaiah. So here comes Philip, and he's running, catches up to this, this chariot. And he says, do you know what you're reading there? How can I, unless I have a teacher? You're a te I'm a teacher. Come on on. Stop right here. After he heard the word and the gospel, he said, there's water. I'm ready to be baptized. He brought the gospel to Africa. One dude, one guy. So that was a great opportunity. But again, I see Philip running after the will of God, running after that African man, running after uh, that chariot. Hallelujah. God wants to put a run in you, a run in me, especially young people. And the word, you know, it says pursue God in the New Testament. Pursue God, it means to chase, to chase after God in a sense and catch up with what he's doing and do the same. Start running. Some of us, for different reasons, like we shared here, stopped running. God wants to encourage us, energize us in love, maybe give a little shove. Say, come on, come on, your best is still straight. Your best is ahead. Your best is not that your kids will graduate from college. Your best is not that you'll get a career opportunity. Your best is not that you make a lot of money. You can be thankful for that stuff, but that's not the eternal thing. The best is what God has for your life, through your life, and mind and sing. Walking down the street the other morning, I missed the will of the Lord on this one. I pray where I live in Hayward for the time being. It's 5.30 in the morning, it's a little dark out there. And I'm just out of, out of the US element here. I'm just used to Asia. So a tall black guy, young guy was walking my way. I was just not in the right space or something. I should have stopped and preached the gospel to him. He had a tear tattooed here, a tear. And as I went on to where I was walking, I thought, what does that mean? Lord, that guy's heart is broken. You missed an opportunity. I've been praying for the last three days. Help me meet that guy, Lord. I, forget whatever intimidation I might have felt or your fear or that kind of nonsense. Yeah, that's just a tear in his heart. That's your, that's your assignment, son. And God gives us assignments like that stuff. In the middle, he interrupts our life, you know, where we care for people that are not just Vietnamese people, but, but any people, of course. Yeah. Elisha ran after Elijah. Elijah was the prophet of God big time. And he said, you're called to replace me. He put the mantle on this guy. And immediately that guy left his cows and his money and started running after Elijah, not walking. And he ultimately received a double anointing, which meant he was called to do more stuff than the first man. He wasn't a better man, just called to do additional. Finally, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. The context of this chapter is persecution. Jeremiah is being persecuted for what he's preaching because Israel wants to kill him because they don't want to hear about repent. And so he's telling the Lord, this is too much. I'm being persecuted. These guys have threatened to kill me if I keep prophesying. Um, can I get an easier job? Can I be in the choir? And God says to him, if you've run with the footmen, guys like you, and you're tired, what about when you run with horses, next level of persecution? And if you think that's hard, what about when you hit the end of the road and you run the final level, 
lions from the thicket of the Jordan River. Talking about levels of persecution, he said, I don't like this job. I'd rather be a nice teacher on Sunday morning. Sometimes the job assignment we have isn't what we'd sign up for. And so this whole thing is about enduring. I believe America's persecution in America is going to turn to prosecution. Persecution is about to turn for prosecution against church. You can see it on the, on the, on the wall. It's coming. If we're strong in the Lord, so what? Is that the, is that the best you can do, devil? That should be our attitude when we walk with God. Finally, how can you better improve your running? <laughs> I guess we can all run better than we're running. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary or tired. If we use faith and say, Lord, I'm just going to wait upon you right now in faith for you to not just touch me, but to come upon me with fresh strength to run my race better, to run harder, to run with wisdom, to run by the anointing of God, and to finish my race well, not fade out and have a bad marriage or whatever it might be, but to finish my race well. So that one day the Lord will speak to your ears and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good teenager. You've done my will. Well, that why you were created. Amen? So, so I'm, I, if you know in your heart, because you, the message we're talking here, that you have been running from God or running from something God told you to do, if that's you and you want help from God, would you raise your hand? Don't worry about what people think about you. God knows more than anybody here. If you know that you've been kind of running from something of the Lord or even running from Him, even though you're in church, if that's you and you need help from God, you can raise your hand for a moment. Anybody here? Because I didn't come up with this message from the, the sky. Are you running at all? Are you running at all? Are you, are you running after God? You can define what that definition means yourself. Sometimes the Holy Spirit makes us uncomfortable so that we, have, we examine our life and see it through His eyes. And so, but it's not to condemn us, it's to convict us so we can then move on, move on. Are you running? Are you running with God right now? Can you honestly say intentionally, I know I'm, I'm pursuing the Lord. I know I could do better, of course. But I'm pursuing, I'm going after God. He's number one in my life, not maybe. Young people, can you raise your hand? Is that true for you? Young people, anybody here say, I know I'm running after God. Young people, anybody here? 12, 14 years old, one kid. Hey, you're number one. Anybody here besides him? Are you running at all? Are you running at all? Anyway, I will list, let this be confidential. Praise the Lord. There's different styles in churches. Some people, like we go in Nepal, men, 20 people, 30 leaders will stand up and say, I, I've gotten discouraged. I've dropped out of the race. I'm still here. I'm still preaching, but I want to give up. There's real discouragements out there sometime. Yeah, we've all been there. God wants to encourage you this afternoon here to uh, know that he loves you big time. That's clear. We need to love him big time. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you're not born again, born again. You know that you know that your name is written up there in heaven. You know that when you die, if you died today in a car accident, you know for sure I'm going straight to heaven because Christ is in my life. Do you know that? Could you raise your hand if that's true for you? You know Christ is in your heart. Anybody here? Many, not all. God loves you. If you want to give your heart and your life to Christ this afternoon, I encourage you right now is a good time. And, and by simply standing right where you are to say, Jesus, I need you in my life and I want to surrender my life, my future to the Lord. I want your will, not mine. If anybody is in that category here, you want to stand up right now and say, I want to follow the Lord. I believe God will help you this afternoon. Anybody here? Anybody? I'll count to three. One. Slow. Two. Three. I see sister. Hey, please. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand, just stand with a second. Anybody else want to stand with her? Young people here. Yeah, come on. Get help from God. God is here. 
you got to stand on your own. Okay, you can't, you can't stand because mom wants you to stand. Yeah, hallelujah. You're not going to go to heaven because she's good. you got to be good. Amen. Sister, let's pray. Can you pray out loud with me? Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I give my life to you. I belong to you. You belong to me. Thank you, Lord, for a different life. Touch me with the Holy Spirit. Change me. Use me to help somebody else. Thank you for taking my life. And I love you, Lord. Thanks for your love. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Father, I pray in the name of the Lord for every brother and sister here right now or those that are not yet brothers and sisters. I pray that, Father, we'd come to grips with you, that uh, we would not be comfortable with something that you're not comfortable with, Lord, in our life, uh, but that we would do business with God, we do business with the, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And anything you want from us, God, we say, here am I. Do what you want to do. Change what you want to change. Thank you, Lord. You're a good God. We're your people. We're your people. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, right here, sister, how you doing? You okay? You love the Lord? A little, huh? For sure, some. I hear these words in my heart. I believe they're from the Lord. And the words with them is this, don't hold back from me. You understand those words? Don't hold back from me. It's kind of like you're sitting here and, 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 and the Lord said, why don't you sit here? Why don't you come to the edge of your seat? Why don't you just give whatever God wants from your life to the Lord? I believe that as you draw close to God, eat the Word of God, the Bible, and, and pray consistently. God's going to use you to be a witness to your people. He's going to use you to be a witness to Vietnamese people, whether American Vietnamese or overseas. And you're going to stand tall one day. There's going to be an authority in your life. You'll follow the Lord. And I see you speaking God's word with confidence. I see you holding the Bible with confidence. New Testament, uh, current generation. God's going to set you free. You're going to be free on the inside, free on the outside at a young age if you'll obey the Lord. He has a call on your life, sister. He has a call on your life. It's, and it's more than simply attending a church. He loves you big time. Big time. Study your word. Hallelujah. Young man, I believe God is, is after you in a certain way. God is after you. I'll let you work that out between him and you. I don't know what that means. There's something he's after in your life. And son, and he's just like saying, son, trust me. I know what I'm doing. Trust me. No matter what's happened, turn your back on yesterday. Turn your back on today. I got stuff for you, son. I got stuff for you, son. I have a call on your life. A call on your life, son. Don't be distracted by the flesh. Don't be distracted by the flesh, the Lord says. Trust me, says God, my hands on your life. I'll make you a preacher. I'll make you a preacher, says the Lord. But you're gonna to have to pay the price. Pick up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. It's gonna be it's gonna be worth it. You're gonna enjoy doing it. Not some stale old job thing. It's a call, son. Draw near to God. I got a plan for your life, son. My my brother right here. Black shirt, yeah. You're a good man. You're a good man. I see you. Uh, some things have happened in your life or maybe didn't quite happen. We've all had disappointments and so on, of course. But I see you moving in the marketplace, so to speak. It could be at a 7-Eleven. It could be stopping to get a burger. It could be some normal places where I see you in the future, not far from now. Just carrying the Lord, so to speak. Just carrying his presence, you know. And just carrying his word and being a witness for Christ. Yeah, I see you coming up to people that are just troubled, blown out even. And I just see your ability to come in and be like a father to some young people. And they'll just trust you. They, even though they hardly know you, they just, they'll just be trust you. 
Uh, and you're, you know, God gives you a heart or he's going to give you a heart to love young people, to love young people. And you might look in the mirror and say, you got the wrong guy here. That is not me because of this and that and this and that. But God knows all that stuff and still says, I have a call. I have a call. You trust me. You give your life to me. You give your heart to me. He says, Lord, see what I will do. See what I'll do in you and through you. And I see you moving among different races of people. Just an ability to move among blacks, Hispanics, and so on and so on. And just being a humble man, but coming to know your God in a level where there's a confidence that God's going to come in your spirit. A confidence, you know. Um, you're going to know the God of the Word. Not just Bible study, but the God of the Word. And He's given you a, a gift of compassion. A gift of compassion. To care for people that have had worse stuff than you. And uh, you've seen God's faithfulness in your life in some things. And God said, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. Son, you, you are not who you think you are, says the Lord. I know who you are, son. There's, there's, a, there's a hand of God and an encouragement that God wants to give you this afternoon. He cares for you big time. And he wants to use your life to affect other people as a salt shaker, put salt on food. So you're called to bring a, a taste, says the Lord. Yeah, the devil has tried to condemn you sometime, I believe, with thoughts. God says, get in the word. Hide the word of God in your heart. Hide my thoughts in my heart and see if faith will not rise up. Faith will rise up and see you. Begin to see yourself the way he sees you. Because it says in Proverbs 23, 6, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. We think we're down here or something else. We don't rise up too much. God wants you to rise up to who you are in Christ. And he wants to use your tongue, says the Lord. And use your hands down the road to pray for sick people sometime and see them healed. All this is conditional based on your obedience to the Lord uh, as he works in your life. Again, prophecy is not spooky stuff. It's not fortune-telling. It's just God knows some stuff about us. Sometimes he shares a little bit uh, with you or me uh, as a point of encouragement. Hallelujah. Sister, don't be disappointed right here. Yeah, next to your son. Don't be disappointed. God's going to give you a fresh breath of fresh air. He's going to start, maybe he's even doing that. He's going to start breathing in you fresh encouragement, inspiration. He's going to put some muscle on your shoulders, your arms, your upper body, so to speak. And I see you going to move from complacency and just kind of being there to aggressive sometime. You're going to be aggressive sometime for God. Yeah, God is going to give you a confidence where you're going to start to say, I can do all things to Christ. And, and, and it's, not going to, it's going to move from I can to I will for the glory of God. God's going to take you out of your element. And you're going to start to see life the way Christ sees life. You're going to see people sometimes the way God sees the certain people. He's going to give you some job assignments with names on them. And he's going to say, this one is your turn. This one is yours. And you're going to say, well, I can't. And not that kind of, you're going to go with that kind of stuff. And the Lord's going to say, the juggling time is over. I'm going to lead you in my will, says the Lord. And I'm going to make you bold as a lion. I'm going to make you bold as a lion for my namesake, says the Lord. The righteous are as bold as a lion. It's your turn, says God. It's your turn. Hallelujah. Amen. Hey, we'll be here for part two if you want to come back. Great being with you. Pray over those words. Thanks for having us.